This is the Sunday Worship Podcast. Good morning and welcome to Sunday Worship. It's great to join with you. Our guest speaker this morning is Captain Rob Westwood Payne, and he's going to bring the Bible reading to us just now. If you have a Bible to hand or a Bible app, then I encourage you to turn to this morning's reading. We're looking at John chapter 20 and verses 19 to 23 in the New Living Translation. We meet the disciples on Easter Sunday evening. They're behind locked doors, fearing for their lives. They narrowly escaped arrest in the Garden of Gethsemane a few days ago. Their leader, Jesus, has been executed as the leader of a movement that threatened their religious leaders and the state, the Roman Empire, that occupied their country. Now it appears his dead body has gone missing, and in the midst of stories from Peter, John and Mary that Jesus is alive, just as he said he would be, they're deeply fearful that they're going to get the blame for stealing the body and starting up these ridiculous stories. Conversations are taking place around the room of just how they might escape the city, under the cover of darkness perhaps, from under the noses of the Jewish authorities and the Roman occupiers. Perhaps they could escape to Galilee and find some peace. You may think this is a strange passage to land on for the last Sunday in July. Easter was months ago, after all. But what we will learn a little later in our programme, as we look at this passage, is that Jesus is not finished with his disciples. Everything they've experienced so far in their journey with him is just the first act. The second act was to follow, and it's true for us too. Let's go to the upper room just now. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side. They were filled with joy and they saw, when they saw the Lord. Again he said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Amen. I wonder if your life could be divided into two acts. Do you know anyone who has had a second career in their life? A complete sea change from what they were doing before? Some people have a midlife crisis and suddenly take a different direction in their lives. Do you know anyone like that? If they're in the room with you now, I suggest you don't look at them. Most people are not happy being described as having a midlife crisis. The great novelist F. Scott Fitzgerald, who wrote The Great Gatsby, among others, once wrote, There are no second acts in our lives. But that simply isn't true. Actually, his own life was full of infinite chances to start again. And I'm also testament that life can have a second act, although I'd like to make it clear I don't define it as a midlife crisis. I was a solicitor for 15 years before God called me into Salvation Army officership. A complete turnaround in life, with far-reaching consequences. A man called Andy Levine has a whole website and podcast dedicated to second act stories. You can look them up. But let me tell you a couple of the stories. Chris Donovan was a telephone repairman, but for over 30 years as he did that job, he had a quiet obsession, 
Designing Women's Shoes. When he reached the age of 50, he was diagnosed with prostate cancer. That was the nudge he needed to begin his second act. He left his job with the phone company to pursue his lifelong dream, saying, I need to follow this. I need to find out why I have this passion for shoes. He was accepted into Polymoda, one of the best fashion institutes in the world, enrolled in an accelerated master's programme and moved to Florence in Italy. For the past five years, he's been turning his amazing designs into actual shoes. He's living his second act. Ruth Levine's father was a radiologist, and when she was little, Ruth used to fill in the date on patient sheets when her dad reviewed their films at home. As she followed her dad around the hospital, she would often think, that'll be me someday. But when she married and started a family, she found herself working as a banqueting waitress in a hotel, enjoying the work and the flexibility it gave her as she worked around bringing up her children. It was when Ruth said to her little daughter, Ariel, as she was getting into bed one night, you know, you can be anything you want to be when you grow up, that she realised the same was still true for her. She could still be anything she wanted. She could begin her second act. And so, with some financial help from her parents and childcare support from her in-laws, Ruth went back to school at age 31 and studied for her pre-med exams before entering med school and then taking up a residency to become a radiation oncologist. 14 years later, after lots of hard work, she finally became Dr Ruth Levine. And she's living out her second act today. Do you ever wish you could have a second act? That you could start again, perhaps? Or maybe find an escape from the mundane and find something exciting to do? The exciting thing is that as a Christian, each of us is given the opportunity for a second act in our lives. That's the point in the passage that we're looking at this morning from John chapter 20. Jesus commissions his church, each and every Christian, to the second act of implementing his mission to redeem the world to tell everyone that they're not condemned to death, but by believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, they can be saved. Of course, you may not feel much like starting a second act in your life at the moment. Perhaps you're living in fear just as Jesus' disciples were. Maybe you're listening to this this morning and fearing for your health or the health of a loved one or friend. Maybe you're in fear of your work or career as the cost of living crisis eats away at our economy. Maybe you fear for your children's future or grandchildren's future, their education and their career prospects. Maybe you'd rather just stay locked behind closed doors like the disciples than even to think about treading outside. Jesus understands. He appears right in the middle of the disciples' fear. Verse 19 of John chapter 20 says, That Sunday evening the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. Jesus stands in the middle of their fear, in the middle of their worry, in the middle of their anxiety and pronounces, Shalom, peace be with you. His greeting brings echoes of what he said to them at the Last Supper just a few days before. In chapter 14, verse 27, he says, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart, and the peace I gift give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Shalom. Peace of mind and heart. Peace of such magnitude that the world could never give it. Peace that means you and I need not be troubled or afraid. 
Is that what you need as you listen to this? Shalom. Listen as Jesus breathes that word into your ear in this moment. Shalom. Peace be with you. Peace be with you. In spite of all the pain and harm the world can inflict on you, Jesus embodies God's compassion and care in your life. Every time you fear that God's love for the world is just a dream, a vision that's just out of touch with the chaos of everyday life, Jesus draws near to you, the one who has borne the brunt of all that chaos, but who is risen indeed and has conquered it all. The grand vision of salvation and restoration that God's people had been longing for, shalom, has been fulfilled. Peace be with you, Jesus says. But no sooner has shalom been offered than Jesus commissions his followers to their second act, to their mission. In verse 21 he says, Again he said, Peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Jesus' followers are commissioned to take that vision of salvation and restoration to the world. In commissioning the apostles to their second act, commanding them to move from watching and learning from him to going out into the world to proclaim that God loves the world so much that he sent his son to, so that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life, Jesus is sending and commissioning us, his church, to do the same. We are called and commissioned to carry out Jesus' central passion for the world, its redemption. Jesus' mission didn't end as he ascended into heaven. We have been deputised into his place. We are his ambassadors. We are his hands and his feet in the world today. We are sent people, sent directly by Jesus, by the authority of Father God. We are sent as Jesus into our community, Jesus into our families, Jesus amongst our friends, Jesus into our workplaces and educational establishments. Do you feel up to the job? I suspect not. But if you are at all tempted to think that you can easily be Jesus to those around you, then Jesus concludes his commission in John chapter 20 with these words from verse 23. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. How do you feel about that? If you decide to forgive someone, then they are forgiven. And if that doesn't give us pause for thought, then surely the idea that if you decide not to forgive them, they are not forgiven, definitely pulls us up short. Really? I thought only God could forgive sins. You're right, of course. Jesus is telling us that God is going to forgive sins through us, through you and me. And so we simply can't do that in our own power. And so in verse 22, Jesus had said, then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. The power to fulfil Jesus' commission to the church to redeem the world comes through the Holy Spirit, Jesus' Spirit. You and I can receive the power of the Holy Spirit, not so that we can have a wonderful spiritual experience, although that's often how it feels, not so that we can join some kind of holy social club, although the Holy Spirit does give us rich fellowship together and gives us plenty of opportunity to become the person God created us to be. We receive the power of the Holy Spirit so that we can do what Jesus does in the world. In verse 21, again he said, Peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Our second act is to implement what Jesus accomplished. We are the musicians who perform what the composer has written. We are the construction workers who build what the architect has planned. We are the team that carries out the manager's game plan. As Tom Wright concludes, 
Jesus' mission to Israel reaching its climax in his death and resurrection is thus to be implemented by the disciples' mission to the world. That's why they need the Holy Spirit, Jesus' breath, God's breath, to enable them to do the job they could otherwise never dream of doing. Jesus is calling you to your second act. Will you respond?
I invite you to pause with me for a moment as we pray for our second acts. Jesus, we dare to believe in the things we cannot see, in your love for us, in your love for those around us, in the hope of eternity. We dare to believe that another world is possible, that suffering can end, that we can play a part in the kingdom to come. We dare to believe in heaven on earth, in the light breaking through, in justice made new, in your love for us, in the opportunity for second acts. Amen. Amen. Thank you to Rob for bringing God's word to us this morning. And thank you for joining us. Goodbye and God bless.